I'm just really glad that you are here today. I'm glad that you're going to be able to hear this message today. I'm just glad that God is able to change your life. I'm just glad, 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 glad. I think there's a lot of gladness in the house today. Do I hear an amen? Come on. When we look outside the house of God, there's a lot of madness. There's a lot of sadness. We need some gladness in the house. And there's a lot of things that I want to cover today, so I'm not going to do much time whatsoever recapping, but I will say this. If you missed anything, where were you? You need to be in the house of God. I'm going to say that one more time. You need, you must be in the house of God. I don't know where I'd be if it wasn't for church. And you need to be in the house of God. But we've been looking at March gladness in two ways. The first way as gladness in his house. Psalms 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So gladness in his church, gladness in his house. But our focus really for this whole month is the next part and that is gladness in your house. Come on, say this with me, gladness in my house. Gladness in my house. And we looked at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? It's God that wants to dwell inside of you. Your house. In your house. So last week we looked at the thought of gladness in your house. And what can destroy that? Last week we talked about attack number one. And that is worry. How worry can destroy and take your gladness from you. And today we want to look at attack number two. And attack number two is insecurity. Insecurity. Turn to your neighbor and say to them these words, Hi, I am insecure. Now the person you didn't want to talk to on the other side, look at them too and say, Hi, I am insecure. It's amazing how many people kind of get upset when you make a statement like that because they say, Pastor P, that's pretty negative. I'm confessing something that's negative. Don't you know Proverbs 18.21? I do actually. Proverbs 18.21 says there's power of, the de- power of death and life in the tongue and what we speak. But the reason I had you turn to the person to the left or the right is not because we are confessing what we have in the fact of I'm insecure, but we're confessing the fact that we need God to help us with our insecurities. Because God will never help us in areas that we don't allow Him to. 
You may say, that's tough. What do you mean God won't help you? God says, I won't go against your will. So if you don't will him in, guess what? You'll will him out. And God wants to help you. And that's why I wanted us to begin today by saying, God, I'm insecure. Meaning what? God, I need your help. I need you to help me in my life. We've got to transfer it to him. Philippians 4 verse 6 from the New Living Translations says, Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. We talked about that Wednesday, transferring it. Say that with me, transfer. By prayer, we transfer our worries and our concerns over to God. Whether we like it or not, we all deal with insecurities in some shape or form. We've just got to learn how to isolate them. We've got to learn to control them instead of allowing them to control us. I talked on this subject before for about a month, five weeks, just dealing with insecurity. And we talked about insecurity, and that's what I've titled my message today. We talked about insecurity being an invisible prison. An invisible prison that wants to lock us up. But the problem with something that's invisible is many times we don't see it, obviously. But when we don't see it, we don't know how to deal with it. We don't know the effects it's having upon our lives. Because when you've got bars, when you've got something that you can grab a hold to, you can deal with that. But insecurity is invisible. It attacks us in so many different ways. And it doesn't wear the label and says, Hi, I'm insecurity and I'm coming against you as this or that or the next thing. It just hits you. And many times we don't even know what we're facing really even is. Insecurity. And I want us to look at that. Why? Because I believe that Satan has locked us up for long enough. He's tried to hold us down and he's tried to hinder us from entering into the fullness that God has for each one of our lives. And being invisible, as I said, it's harder for us many times to identify. But today, hopefully, we're going to help you identify some things. But listen, God's Word doesn't just identify things. It gives us the solution. It gives us the hope. It gives us, as the Word of God says, our way of escape. Listen to me today. Here's a good point to start with. If you're taking notes, write it down. Remember what I've said so many times? I was told this once. I don't know if it's true, but I'm not going to try it out. It says, if you don't take notes in church, you're going to hell. (laughs) Don't know if it's true, but I wouldn't wait to find out. Do I hear an amen? Turn to your neighbor and look at him and say, now I'm really insecure. Pass me a pen and a piece of paper. Listen to this. Your life is not the sum total of the circumstances around you. Your life is not the sum total of the circumstances around you, but rather what you allow to live in you. What lives inside of you through these circumstances will determine the outcome of your life. That's why we've been dealing with worry, because if worry's living inside of us, it's going to destroy the outcome of our life. We're talking about insecurities today. Next week, I'll give you a little taste of next week. Next week, we're going to be talking about guilt, carrying guilt inside of us. And we all know the outcome of worry, insecurity, and guilt. It's never going to be great things, but it's going to limit us. 
Our lives have got to be connected to God. We've got to be connected to His joy, His strength, His gladness. That despite it all, the Bible tells us in John 15, 11, His joy can remain inside of you. And because His joy remains, your joy can be full. So Satan can get you to worry, to be insecure, to feel guilt. Guess what's going to come out of your life? It's going to be the byproduct of those things. Instead of the byproduct of life being connected to life. Many Christians today experience limited potential, but yet confess to serve a limitless God. Philippians 4 verse 13 says these words, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ. Notice that. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it with my neighbor or my friend. I can do it through connection to Christ. If I'm trying to live any other way, I may go for a while, but I'm going to hit a wall. But when I'm connected to God, there's a continuous source. Everything that means that God created you and I to do, we can do. doesn't mean when I say I can do all things that I can fly. God didn't make me to fly. But I can do and be everything that God created and made me to be. Notice what happens through insecurities. What begins with perhaps a word. Maybe it's just a thought. Maybe even just a feeling can end up becoming the blueprint of our life. That will follow the wrong design, that will build according to the wrong design. We've got to separate our lives from those wrong thoughts, those wrong feelings and those wrong words. If not, we're going to live restricted. We're going to be in an invisible prison. And listen to me today, it's going to be a prison of our own making. God didn't make you like that. Well, Satan did it. No, Satan didn't do nothing. You allowed him to do those things. You followed his words, and now you are in the state that you are. Well, it's my neighbor's fault. It's my parents' fault. No, no. When you stand before God, he's going to point the finger directly at you and say, what did you do? Come on now. What did you do? Insecurity takes on many shapes and sizes and many forms and expressions. But it's got the same results. I want to read a passage of scripture to you today that may at first sound kind of strange. But I want you to understand this today. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 54. I'm going to read five verses, I believe it is, from here. Isaiah 54, and I want to begin with verse 1, if I may. And it says this, Sing, O barren. You who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Let me read the first part again. It says, sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Barrenness back in Bible days was looked upon as a curse. Someone was barren, they were cursed. God had judged them for whatever such reason, but they were now cursed. So there was an inability in their life to produce. 
like an invisible prison that they had locked themselves in that now they were unable to produce. But what was the instruction that Isaiah gave while instructed of the Lord? He said, sing and cry aloud. In other words, take back control of the situation and instead of allowing your barrenness to control you, begin to control that circumstance through the power of God. You've got to hear this today. It means that we now have to begin to determine the outcome of what's going to happen. You see, here's the deal. When things come across our path, we have the choice and decision on what to do. And most of the time when insecurity, worry, fear, guilt, all these oppressive things of Satan comes, we get depressed, we isolate ourselves, we seclude ourselves, we feel bad about ourselves. And what does it do? It makes us withdraw. The Bible is telling us when these attacks come, we've got to start crying aloud. We've got to start singing. We've got to start realizing that what Satan means to take us down is something that God can use to promote our lives. It's an act of faith. I mean, it's an act of faith to sing when you're barren. And when people look and say, well, you're cursed because you're barren. It's an act of faith. Listen to me, faith we may not always see. A lot of people want to wait till they see something before they cry out to God. But you know what Hebrews 11 verse 1 tells us about faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. That means I don't have it all yet. Do I have a witness in the house? I don't have it all yet. I'm still a work in progress, but by faith I'm moving on. By faith I'm trusting in God. I'm not allowing insecurities and worries and fears and everything that the world wants to use to cripple me, to hinder me. I'm going to cry out. Come on, how many people are ready to cry out in this place? Ready to break free. Break free. Break free. Listen, you must see this today, and this is the reason why I'm reading this passage. In God's eyes, barrenness is not the end, but it's just an opportunity to invite God into a circumstance. Barrenness to God is just the beginning of something. Listen to this. When God gets a hold of your life, every restriction can become a field of increase. Come on, that's a lot better than you told me there. Come on. I mean, come on. You need to start responding to the word today. When God gets a hold of your life, every restriction, every thought, well, you can't do that. How can you do that? Have you seen yourself? Look where you came from. Look, come on, all the restrictions that what Satan wants to throw. When God gets a hold of our life, every restriction can become a field of increase and blessing. Let me read on. It says this in verse 2. As we cry out, then what we can do, it says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let you stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen the cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right. You shall expand to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Come on, do I have a witness in the house? Neither be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, for you will not forget the shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood any longer. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. Every restriction 
becomes a field of increase. Let me just sum up quickly because that's not my message. This is still my introduction. Say, help him, Jesus. Let me sum up what we've just read today, and that is this. No matter the restrictions, whatever they may be, God is bigger. God is bigger. He says, cry out and begin to shout. You may look and think that things aren't happening. But as you begin to cry out, as you lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, God says, you'll increase to the right. I'm ready to preach today. You'll increase to the left. Come on, those restrictions and those things of your past and your childhood. Come on, some of you are battling some stuff from your childhood. Things that Satan tries to restrict us with. But he reminds us that the Lord God, he is almighty. That means he can handle it. Come on, I said he can handle it. He can take care of your life. Satan wants you to live in restrictions. Satan wants you in an invisible prison. Another thing about an invisible prison is you can be in work in prison and no one would know about it. Be in your family with a husband, a wife, be in a prison, and not really anyone knows about it. But as long as you are restricted and living in an invisible prison, you will never enter into the true fullness of God for your life. Come on, say with me gladness in His house, gladness in my house. So today I'm going to try my best to give you 10 keys, 10 key points of what insecurity wants to limit your life to. So fasten your seatbelts. We're in for a ride. And by the way, under your seat is a lunch menu. We're going to be taking orders because we're going to be here for a while. Only plan, only plan. Only plan. Some of you really look down and says, man, I hope they've got steak and fries on there. We do have spaghetti on there that's going to be available at the end of the service. Point number one. Insecurity brings self-doubt. Insecurity brings self-doubt. Insecurity doesn't just bring self-doubt. It literally grows it. It grows it. It nurtures it. Insecurity will begin by questioning who you are. It will cause you to begin to look at yourself and say, look at you, you're worthless. You have nothing to offer. Remember your past? How could God ever use you? You know those things that you were told when you were a kid? They're all true and there's so much more. Insecurity will cause you to begin to question, begin to look at yourself. It will cause you to question your human potential, which is your purpose for life. Why? Because the devil wants to keep you small and he wants to keep you ineffective. Can I remind you with this, that God says with a vision, he will also be the provision. Come on, with vision, God will also be the provision. And I've got to believe in here that there's some people that are called of God, that have given their lives to God, and now they have a destiny for their life. They have a vision for their life. They have a direction that their life is now going. And with that direction and vision, God will be the provision. But you see, self-doubt will bankrupt the provision of God for your life. Never because of the fact that God is not able. We know that God is more than able. But because it disconnects us from His willingness and His ableness. 
So we've got to watch that insecurity will bring self-doubt with it. Point number two. Insecurity will block or blocks affirmation. Praise. It will cause you to begin to see most things with a negative spin. When someone gives you praise and someone says you're doing a good job, in your mind you're going to turn it around and say, oh, they're just saying that. They don't really mean that. They're just trying to be kind. They're just saying that because that's the right thing to say. It's amazing how insecurity will block affirmation, that we cannot receive it. And it's not a problem that just started with you, and it's not a problem that started with me. It's a problem that started just the other side of the garden, at the beginning of time. Look what it says in Genesis 4, verse 6 and 7. Cain and Abel had brought a sacrifice to God. Abel's was accepted, Cain's was rejected, and God speaks. Genesis 4, 6 and 7. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will it not be accepted? The thought is, if you do well, will not your life, your sacrifice, your giving, will not you also be accepted? But note, if you do not do well, sin lies at your door. One translation says sin is crouching at your door, ready to pounce. And notice what sin's desire is. Sin's desire is for you. But you, the God says, but you should rule over Here's a prime example of something said and another thing heard. Because that's what insecurity will do. What God said is different to what Cain heard. God says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? New Living Translation says, you will be accepted if you respond in the right way. Way. I haven't got time to go into it all. Yes, Cain's sacrifice was wrong. It wasn't accepted and received that day. But listen to me, God wasn't totally rejecting him, but that's what he heard. Insecurity will put a negative spin, so instead of being able to receive words of affirmation, we're going to always push it away, and we're going to take it negatively in our life. When God says, I can accept you too, all Cain heard was, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. God even said to him, you can rule over that thing. But all he could hear that day was, you're not good enough. You're not Good enough. Insecurity will block all good. And the end of the story goes like this. Cain ended up killing his brother because of blocked affirmation. Because of insecurity, he committed murder. But murder was just the beginning. Because then he missed the opportunities that God had for his life. All because insecurity tainted his perception. You've got to watch these things. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a lot more insecure than I really thought. Some of you are so insecure, you don't even want to turn to your neighbor. <laughs> Point number three. 
It's a big one we've got to watch here. Because insecurity will justify my lack of responsibility. A lot of people today want to grow up. They want to be old. They want to be mature. We deal with this with our kids. You know, they want to be give, for you to trust them. And you want to do all this kind of stuff. But you know what? With that trust, with those things, comes added responsibility. Insecurity justifies the lack of or my lack of responsibility. Why? Because it becomes more about what others are doing instead of what I'm trying to do. Because what insecurity will do is insecurity will be comparing itself with other people. Instead of me doing what's right for me, guess what? I'm always going to find someone who's doing things not quite as good as I am. I'm going to justify myself. Justification is what? To compare yourself towards someone else. But it's amazing that we're very selective who we justify ourselves to. Isn't that amazing who we justify? We don't justify ourselves to people who look better than us or do better than us. We're always looking to find someone that we can compare ourselves with and come out on top. And security will always find someone with greater failures and tell you at least you're not like them. So instead of taking responsibility, what do we do? We pass the blame. We pass the blame. We're going to watch because these are things that are robbing us from the fullness, the gladness, the joy, the strength, the future that God has in our lives. Let me go back to the garden again. Remember poor Adam and Eve? It seems like we've been going back there a lot lately. Adam sins after Eve sinned. And what did Adam? Adam did, God came to Adam and he said to him, what happened, Adam? God said that to Adam. He said, Adam, what just happened here? You know what Adam said? God, can I just tell you, God, what did happen? This is Adam speaking, paraphrase today. Adam said, God, I'm glad you asked because let me tell you exactly what did happen. See that woman over there that you gave me? We're going to read it in a minute and see if I'm telling the truth. See that woman, God, over there that you gave me? Everything was going great till she came and ate us out of house and home. God, not my fault, her fault, the one you gave me. Look what it says, Genesis 3.12. Then the man said, it was the woman who you gave to be with me. She gave me of the tree. And then I ate. Okay, Adam, let's go time out here. So just because she did it, it made it right for you. So just because she did something wrong that you knew was wrong because God instructed Adam of what to do. Adam was the one that funneled it down to his wife. Maybe he didn't do a good job. But he was the one that God said, you're going to do this, this and this. And oh, by the way, you can't do that one thing. He knew what he was to do and what was right and what was wrong. So he knew what was right and what was against God's instruction. But what happens? It's always someone else's fault, isn't it? Well, we've got to stop and say, hold on a second. I need to take blame. I need to take responsibility. It's no one else's fault. It's my fault. But you see, insecurity doesn't tell us that. It always passes the blame. It always justifies itself to everyone else. So what happens? We never deal with the issue at hand. Turn to your neighbor and say, deal with the issue. 
Come on, you've got to say it with attitude today. Deal with the issue. Ever wonder what would have happened to Adam and Eve if they would have looked at God and said, I'm sorry? Huh? Ever wondered what would have happened if they would have just looked at God and said, I'm sorry? But instead of coming clean, they did exactly what we do. They justified their actions and they took little or no responsibility for them. We must take responsibility for our lives and make the necessary changes. If not, we're going to throw ourselves in an invisible prison and that's not where God wants you to be. Insecurity wants to provide an excuse for why you are not doing what you should be doing. That's only point three. Need to take a lunch break for a while or can we keep going? Are we okay? I know why some of you are saying keep going because you think I'm preaching to your husband or your wife. I know how. I'm not preaching to them. I'm preaching to you today. <laughs> Do you still love me today? Number four. You should love me because I'm telling you the truth. Insecurity is defensive and mostly unteachable. We've got to watch about insecurity. Why? Because it causes us many times not to take advice from other people. Most people who are insecure do not keep a stable job. Why? Because they think they know more than the person who is in charge of them, and they'll tell them that, and then the person will say, well, if you know more, you could have my job, and you're not going to take my job, so see you later, mate. Insecurity, many times, is very defensive and unteachable. People can get so defensive so easily and so quickly. It makes you feel, if you don't watch, that everyone's against you, that everyone is out to get you, and therefore what happens, you pull back and you isolate yourself. Look what it says in Proverbs 18, verse 1. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all wise judgment. wants to isolate you. That you will rage against all wise judgment. So watch that you're not getting defensive. Watch that you're not unteachable. I've realized this. Hey, I'm still a young guy, 39 years of age, getting old, but I'm hanging in there. But I realized this. There are so many things. I like what Jimmy Swaggart said. He said, the more I study the word of God, the more I realize how little I know. But insecurity would get to that place where you can't tell me anything. I'm not interested. Come on, don't get like that. Point number five. Insecurity will tend to focus in on the safe. It focuses on the safe. It's what I call the nest syndrome. You know what the nest syndrome is? It's when everything is comfortable and everything in its place and it doesn't need to be messed up. A great story about an eagle. They'll set their nest so high up and when it's time for their little eaglets to get out of the nest and they know they're strong enough, they don't just sit there and chirp a tune and say, off you go. They kick them out of the nest. And that eagle will begin to flip head over beak over tail or feet or whatever it's doing. And it will start falling and falling and falling. And at that last moment when it's about to splat on the ground, the mother will swoop under it and pick it up and take it up again. And now its heart's pounding. And now it thinks, wow, that was just an accident. And my goodness, mum must have slipped. And then all of a sudden, boot, and they're out again. And they realize, no accident, mum's meaning business today. 
But at one point, as head over heels or beak over tail, they begin to realize there's two things that perhaps serve a purpose. They began, begin to flap those called their wings, and they begin to realize that they were created to fly too. I'm going to tell you today, you're created to fly. You're created to fly. But you know what happens is insecurity will focus this on the safe. Just keep me in my little comfort zone. Don't mess with me. But you know what the problem is with the nest syndrome? And that is this. If you can do it, you don't need God. Come on. If you can do it, you don't need God. I want to answer a question today. And here's my question I want to answer. Who's the crazy one? Who's the crazy one? There was a story in the Bible about a man who got out of a boat one day. So I want to ask a question today. Who's the crazy one? The one who stayed in the boat or the one who got out of the boat? I'm going to tell you right now, the people in the boat thought the guy who got out of the boat was crazy. But Peter, who got out of the boat, he thought the ones that were in the boat. Just making sure you're following him. He just nod and out and in, out and in, okay? So they were crazy. But here's the real question really today was, why did he get out of the boat? The Bible tells us that there was a storm. That could have been the reason why he wanted to get out of the boat. But as I began to think about it, I thought, surely my chances of survival in a storm are a lot greater in a boat than out of a boat. So that couldn't have been the reason. There could have been many other reasons that day. Perhaps John had eaten some garlic and he had some bad breath and Peter just wanted to get away. Anyone know anyone like that? Look at your neighbor and say, you're still insecure? And then hand him a breath mint. But here's the real question or here's the real reason why he wanted to get out of the boat. Can I tell you today? He wanted to be where Jesus was. No matter the storms, the trials, the tribulations, the impossibilities, he says, Jesus, if you're not going to come here to me, I want to come to you. Can you see the parallel of our lives? So many times we want to stay in the boat, we've been tossed and tossed. But you know what? Perhaps God is not in the boat. Perhaps we need to have some faith and step out. But insecurity says, oh, no, buddy. Why? Because insecurity's locked you down in an invisible prison. Peter stepped out that day of the safe zone and he stepped into the faith zone. Big thing to do. You know, they never really preach. They preach that Peter walked and then he sank, but many people don't preach that he walked again. Because the Bible says that him and Jesus walked back into the boat. Jesus didn't carry him, he walked again. Telling you right now, if you don't watch, insecurity is going to keep you living safe, which is great, but guess what? You're never going to truly. Be where God wants you to be. Insecurity will stop you from taking that step. It will always cause you to second guess. If you're living within what you can do, you'll never fully fulfill the purpose of God for your life. Come on, say with me. Step out of the boat. I've got to hurry today. Number six, insecurity carries the attachment called not. I cannot. I will not. Notice, I can not. The attachment destroys the content. Philippians 4.13, we read it earlier. I can do all things. It doesn't say I can not do all things. 
It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But insecurity will always rob your ability and make you question your worth. And therefore, it tells you you don't have what it takes. So therefore, you need to remind yourselves of 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Listen to me today. You have a treasure inside of you. As Charlie in the chocolate factory said, I've got a golden ticket. And what did the golden ticket give to him? Access. Come on, you and I have a treasure inside of us that gives us access in to everything that God has, but yet insecurity will say, you cannot do that. Am I telling you the truth? It's amazing that even right now, some of you are sitting here and listening and thinking to yourself, well, I guess that's not for me, because I could never be like that. Listen to me, you're listening to the wrong voice. You're following the wrong leader, which will connect you inevitably to the wrong source. I've got to push back and realize that God has called us to push on through. Come on, knots don't need to be a stopping point for us. We need to cry out. Remember, sing, O barren. We need to start crying out and shouting and realizing God's got great things for us. Number seven, insecurity develops in the dark room of discouragement. Ever feel discouraged? Ever feel down? Notice that word there really is encouragement or encouragement with a dis in front of it. Put D-I-S in front of a word and it shifted the meaning. In this case, it's made it the opposite of. Instead of being encouraged or encouraged or encouraged, we are now what? Discouraged, living on the other end of encouragement. Insecurity will keep you discouraged and if unaddressed, Discouragement will end in despair. It's not a good place. And I'll tell you why it's not good. Because it's not good. And when it's God, it's going to be all good. I know this is a lot today, but hang in there with me. Point number eight. Insecurity will keep you living in the past. It won't allow you to release and let go of. Look what it says in Philippians 3. Verse 12 through 14, it says this, Not that I have already obtained, I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. He means I haven't grasped it all yet. I haven't made it yet. But what did he say? But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call in or through Christ Jesus. What did he say? I'm not there yet, but one thing I do. But this one thing I do, I let go of the past and I press on to the future. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize you cannot drive long in your car looking in the rear view mirror and expect to get anywhere successfully. You can't drive forward while looking behind you. So how are we going to go forward in life if we're still bound by the past? Insecurity wants to keep you living in the past. As with a lot of these points today, our minds play a big part here. And we've got to realize from Romans 12 verse 2, we've got to have a new way of thinking. 
God, allow God to revolutionize our mind. Look at Judah and Peter, or Judas rather and Peter. Both failed Jesus. Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Peter, what, denied Jesus three times. But what was their response? What I'm trying to tell you today is your past is fixed. You can't change your past. But you can stop it from coming forward anymore with you. Come on, Judas and Peter both failed Jesus. Their past wasn't good. Come on, they let him down. They sold him out. But what was their response? One of them moved on beyond his past. And he ended up being one of the greatest men of God that has ever lived. Leaving us today instructions on how we too must live our lives. But the other could not let go of the past. And he hung himself. Peter moved on. Judas stayed still. You've got to break the chains of the past or they'll break you. And I'm telling you right now, you can't hold on to both worlds. You can't hold on to the past and accept or walk into your future. You cannot do that. You're going to be stretched limb from limb. And hold on a second. Isn't that what Satan wants to do? He's a roaring lion that looks to what? Rip us limb to limb from limb. Insecurity wants to focus you on the the things that cannot be changed. You can't change your past, but you can change your future. Number nine, insecurity constantly finds itself comparing. There's always going to be someone better, more talented, and I hate to break it to you, but better looking than you. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to place yourself in an invisible prison of insecurity? Or are you going to realize that God made me me for a reason? I may not be perfect and I have my faults and failures. And guess what? God hasn't finished with me yet and I'm allowing him still to work. But you know what? God made me me for a reason. I love this. Someone gave me this saying years ago and I love it. Listen to this. If I'm a big toe, my life belongs in a sock. If God made me a big toe, my life belongs in a sock. And we've got to realize that we can look at our lives and try and fit ourselves. But wherever God made us for whatever he made us to do, we need to realize we need to just function in that action. Can I hear an amen? Listen to this scripture because insecurity wants you to constantly measure yourself to something outside of yourself. Look what it says. New Living Translation, Corinthians 10 verse 12. It says, oh, don't worry. I wouldn't dare to say that I'm as wonderful as all these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other and measuring themselves by themselves. And what does he say? How foolish. What foolishness that is. Insecurity wants you to always live under someone else's shadow. I heard a ooh there. Someone got that one. And lastly, I'm going to let you go. Insecurity will only diminish and never bring growth in your life. Realize this, that anything that's alive is going to grow. When we're kids, we grow up. When we're older, we grow out. But we always grow. Anything that's living will grow. If there's no growth, there is no life. And John 10 verse 10 says, The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But God says, I've come that you may have life. And life more abundantly. Listen, insecurity will only rob, take, and limit from you. Where God says the sky's the limit. Come on, we all deal with it today. We all deal with them. Insecurities. 
We've just got to learn to identify them. We've got to learn to isolate them. Why? Before they isolate us. You've got to know who you are in God. You're not a mistake. God doesn't make mistakes. But you've got to stay connected to His source. John 15 verse 11, that your joy may remain or that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. God's joy wants to remain in you, touching your life, changing your life. Insecurity is not of God, but it will keep you from God. I'm going to say that one more time. Insecurity is not of God, but it will keep you from God. We all battle with them in different shapes and sizes and expressions. But you know what? What is our response going to be? We cannot allow insecurity to rob us any longer. All those points that we discussed today, we've got to start recognizing those things. And just like when worry comes, we've got to say, stop. And when worry comes, we stop and pray. And when insecurity comes, we say, stop and say, hold on, I've got to change the way I think. Come on, I've got to change the way I think. So what do we do? We stop and pray and we stop and change the way we think. Because that's what God thinks of us. He wants to transfer us, to transfer everything over to Him that He can handle it and He can take care of it. Would you stand to your feet with me today? How many received that today? Come on, wave at me today. How many needed that today? Come on, we've been robbed for long enough, wouldn't you agree? It's time that we start stepping out into what God has. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. I want to pray for every one of you in the realm of insecurity today. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Yeah.